0: The RTE Rugby World Cup Podcast. Sponsored by Bank of Ireland. Hello and welcome along to another RTE Rugby World Cup Podcast. It's 2 out of 2 for Ireland in France. Big winners against Tonga on Saturday night in Nantes. But the starters are now finished. The main course is coming up this weekend. Ireland versus South Africa. Stade de France in Paris. First again, second in the world, live on RT2 and RT Player. Commentary also on RT Radio 1 this weekend. And I've got BJ Botha and Mick Carney with me today for the first of our two podcasts this week. Fellas, welcome. Mick, it feels like the, the World Cup is very much starting this week after a couple of nice little blowouts. Absolutely, Neil. As you
1: mentioned there, the starters are over.
0: The main courses are about to kick in. Um,
1: you can almost feel it countrywide level of excitement going into this weekend and I know even personally I'm very excited for the
0: game ahead BJ we've, we'll have we go into the real detail of it as, as we go on in the podcast but alongside France and New Zealand like this is the biggest game of the pool stage in general as I mentioned first against second in the world and even if you look at the, the ranking points I think there's .15 ranking points between Ireland and South Africa you're talking the difference in a a cigarette paper between the two teams, aren't you?
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. Cheers for having me on again, Neil. And uh, I think uh, on that note, I think it's bigger. You know, I think uh, New Zealand have obviously shown um, coming into the tournament, they haven't been on form at all. So, um, you know, France aside, this is no doubt the biggest the biggest game of, of, the, of the tournament. And we've seen it being built up and the build up has been great. You know, both sides have come through their games. There's been no real kind of so slip-ups, if you if you, if you, if you want to call that. And I think they're building nicely towards, you know, you know, uh, quite a pinnacle in the in, in the World Cup. Yeah.
0: So we'll get we'll get right into it now because we're recording here. It's late Tuesday morning. South Africa are going to be naming their team in a few hours' time. So by the time by the time the podcast is open, by the time a lot of people will be listening to this, South Africa will probably have named their their match day 23 for the weekend Ireland are going to be naming theirs on on Thursday but but let's start with Ireland big win against Tonga at the weekend another eight tries 59-16 winners in the end uh, it was a disappointing Tonga Mick that Ireland ran out comfortable with winners you know where Tonga ran out of gas really in the in the second half and not getting carried away by the standard of opposition but it was an improved performance from Romania all in all wasn't it
1: no, look, very much so. Like as you mentioned, Tonga ran ran out of steam, no doubt about it. But be a huge amount of positives for Ireland to take from that game, particularly going into South Africa. Naturally, the Tongans are are enormous men, and you know they still only managed to get thirty seven percent gain line carries during the game. You know, and like, I'd imagine BJ, you'd know better than me. Just from watching it, I'd say South Africa have had harder training sessions than they had against Romania the last day, you know? So in terms of coming into this fixture, I'd imagine Ireland are delighted, regardless of how good Tonga were, that they were able to have a really stern physical challenge before going into this week.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think, you know, it's always, it's always one that you want to kind of, as I mentioned, I think last week, just to get the health, you know, everyone kind of healthy and 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 injured. And that's what's happened now to Ireland. They've come through then this, this kind of big, you know, physical game. So I think they definitely in a great position, you know, coming through, as you mentioned, Romania, it doesn't do, it doesn't do you kind of as well, definitely have more physical training sessions. So yeah, there's no doubt. And I suppose from an Irish perspective, you know, and, uh, you know, I definitely think they, even though the Tonga were um, probably quite poor, they definitely thought they, they made the most of the opportunities. I thought they could have been a little bit more clinical, but I think that's what happens when the game does run away a little bit. I mean, some of their set piece, and especially around the areas of striking in the 22, which they're really going to have to be, I mean, clinical in, against South Africa to make those points, you know, kind of turn over.
1: Yeah. No, I completely. So sorry, Neil. I was just going to say, completely agree with you there. Like Ireland had, like they had 16 entries into the Tonga 22, came away with eight tries against a team like... South Africa, you're going to have to come away with points from, from every entry. Uh, It's obviously something Ireland did very well in the autumn, took their opportunities really well when they got into that area. So on our front, fingers crossed, they can do that again this week.
0: Yeah, on the, on the flip side of that point then, Mick, as well, though, and I know maybe you're probably not going to get as many chances against South Africa, so you probably have to be a bit more clinical, but even going back as far as the, the summer tour of New Zealand, like, in those second and third tests in particular, the amount of the amount of 22 opportunities and the amount of chances to score tries that Ireland had in the first halves of those games and ultimately left behind them, but still got away with it. So, like, I don't know, is there is there an element there that Ireland are in a position where they're able to create so many chances that they can afford to be a little bit wasteful? Or do you still think that they're going to get so few opportunities against South Africa this weekend that they pretty much have to make all of them count. I feel this week against
1: a team like Sudafka with the amount of breakdown threats that they have, the, the level of accuracy that we're going to need to have in attack and around the breakdown. And even, you know, having a look at that game uh, from the autumn yesterday, like the, the intent that Ireland were entering breakdowns at, you could see that they'd obviously put a massive focus on it through the week. Um, I think it's, if it's a tight game, which, you know, I'm, I'd say it will be around 50 minutes. When Suraf could do roll on that bomb squad, if if Umbanambi. you know, I can't imagine he will come off at of 50, but if he did, you know, you've the likes of Dion Free coming on, a massive breakdown threat. You've Marco van Staden coming on, another massive breakdown threat. Dwayne Vermeulen, you know, good over the ball as well. So um, on your point of Ireland, maybe leaving a few behind them in the first half of the, the New Zealand series games, I think they're going to need to be on another level this weekend against the Springboks.
2: And, I, and just on that, I think they – I think I suppose they're not really in one sense doing that as per the game plan. I will say they're obviously a side that can play that 9, 10, 11, 12 phases and be quite um, happy to do that, you know, if 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 that defence doesn't does doesn't really kill you at the breakdown. And I suppose in in the game this weekend coming up – um. I suppose they're gonna to have to change that a bit because South Africa comes so hard there that they're gonna to have to make sure they get over that advantage line in the second, third phase. You know, they won't be able to, I think they'll be running into 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 um what is that problems, but areas that they need to then kick or exit or kind of find another solution to get behind the South Africans, and that's and that's gonna put them in, in, in kind of a no man's land again.
0: On to continue on that the wastefulness team, um once they did. Once it clicked, everything started to to work a lot better, Mick. Like if you if you look at I, I counted up there yesterday, I think it was four or five lineouts, either inside just inside or just outside the twenty-two before they finally got that breakthrough. But it felt like once once they got over for that try, well, once they had the disallowed try, even because I think there was a try coming at that point, but once they got in and got that bit of a breakthrough, you could see everything started to click a little bit more. The ball was going to hand, the ball was sticking in hands a lot more. And you know, in that second quarter of the game, they end up scoring four tries.
1: Definitely. And I think that was just pressure. Naturally, the Tongans were going to come out in the first 20 minutes full of piss and vinegar and try and and kill Ireland with every contact. And thankfully, Ireland managed to weather the storm there very well. Um, But Ireland's ability just to stick to task... I thought it was very impressive, you know, their, their level of detail. Even if you look at Johnny Sexton's try, obviously hit up, hit up in midfield with Bundy. There's an unbelievably deep clean on the corner there of the ruck. I mean, um, ball goes out to Johnny. He throws a skip inside pass to Caelan Doris, who goes through the hole that the Tonga players haven't been able to fold into because the lads clean that ruck have gone that bit deeper than they usually would. um, I I didn't think Ireland gave a huge amount away around the set piece. Like James Ryan took a massive amount of ball on himself in the middle. and um, I thought Ronald Kelleher threw exceptionally well for the first for the first fifty minutes or or for the time that he was on, which will give Ireland a huge amount of confidence too. If if Dan Sheehan maybe maybe isn't one hundred percent going into this game.
0: Yeah, that line-out was a talking point coming into. Not just coming into this match, BJ, but pretty much it's been hanging around all summer. Just the inconsistency of the Irish lineout, and I know it's it's similar to Romania last week, where everything we every everything positive we say, we're kind of adding. Well, Tonga ultimately weren't particularly up to scratch, and they contested a lot of ball in the first half. Tonga not particularly well, but. To look down at the statistics, you see Ireland with 21 out of 23 lineouts. Those two lost lineouts came in the final five minutes of the game when it was completely done and dusted. Um, Ronan Keller played the first half, 11 out of 11 lineouts. Good variety between what they were trying to do, between five, six, seven-man lineouts, balls to the middle, balls to the front, and kept Tonga guessing. All in all, it was a much sharper, more efficient performance from the Irish lineout from what we've seen Over the last while. And as we say, I know South Africa are going to pose a way greater threat there. But from an Irish point of view, you would be. It's promising to see what they were doing at the weekend.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt. And you can clearly see that the 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 it's running like a well oiled machine and uh really crisp throwing, great taking in the line out. And um look, I think we're gonna see a different, a different line out, I suppose. A little um, a little bit what what Ireland obviously did against South Africa. We might see variations at the back. I think we'll see that kind of getting that getting that play over the, over the 15 that did did before. Um, but their line out is really running well. The one aspect I would say that I think where they, um, they were tested a bit by Tonga is the mall. And a couple of times they were broken out quite easily. And that setting of the mall, which obviously South Africa, you know, kind of, uh, you know, come at you. So the one area they definitely have to set that base is the mall. We'll see how that kind of comes about. But we know South Africa, you know, you have to at some stage mall them and, and kind of put that dominance down e- either there and, and in the scrum. So look, I think they're going into this game with the kind of South Africa obviously going to be coming at them with defensive and and obviously from a more defensive perspective it's one area that you can really drive down and and hopefully then curtail that that hard defence that South Africa brings.
0: Mick, on them all, it, it isn't something that Ireland have made a real weapon over the last few months. Like they've for a start, they've found themselves in that position where it's cleaned up maybe in the last few games, but giving away those obstruction penalties was something that was hanging over them for a little while. But aside from Kaylen Doris's try at the weekend, they aren't scoring half as many half as many tries directly from a mall as other sides. Like you see, a lot of the time they're kind of using it to set up and break away, and you know have someone like Dan Sheehan folding up around the corner outside it. But would you expect them to? to go hard at them all this weekend if it's not necessarily something that's that's been too too fruitful for them over the last few months? I, I think they will
1: do quite a bit of mauling this week. Um, Obviously, South Africa are enormous men, extremely athletic as well. But in my mind, I think there's going to be an element of trying to take their legs, you know, in phase play, trying to get to edges, not play in between the 15s too much. Um, So that's the, the South African players are obviously... Moving a little bit more, and then fingers crossed they'll be able to expose a couple of mismatches against the likes of of Malherba. and you know the, these kind of guys who who late in the game tend to to run out of steam before before the bomb squad is rolled on. Um, but to answer your question, I think a lot of credit has to go to kind of the the maul defence as well. Um, I thought Ireland mauled exceptionally well against New Zealand during that series last year um they're obviously keen to get dan sheehan around the corner into the seam with with 12 running off him and and wingers out out the back and that kind of stuff um but the reason those plays have have been opened up is because you know ireland's mall in in the last number of years has has been a weapon that that they've gone to um this week's going to be really interesting in my opinion in terms of in terms of them all, um, because South Africa obviously sits so deep in the lineout. In terms of the two pods that they have, as BJ mentioned, um, Ireland had to throw over the fifteen, a huge amount during that during that autumn game, uh, just to try and keep that pod pinned back from a South African point of view, um, or else they had to throw it to the five, and like Josh Josh Van Der Flyer squeezed in, as you said by by a by a cigarette paper, uh. To get that mall try in the autumn, but fingers crossed again. As as you said before, they can they can get a bit of headway on that mall,
2: and you know th- that will open up a few more opportunities to, to break into the scene. And then obviously we and then obviously on that we obviously got uh, not our best from a South African perspective, you know, playing marks, and we know that kind of when Bongi does, you know, get that little bit of pressure. You know, from from Ireland's perspective, I think they will definitely go at them there. That that doubt, you know, kind of will come in uh, from South Africans' line-out. I'm not saying that it will that they don't have the ability to kind of um, you know fix it, but um, there's no doubt that, so that Ireland will know that that Bongi would be the only recognised thrower and put them under pressure. You know, kind of that they will hopefully that will hope to kind of uh, overflow into the game
0: done a lot of talk on the forwards um one part I do want to mention and I'll we'll touch a bit in the backs in a couple of minutes but on the scrum uh what are your confidence levels Mick in the Irish scrum where it was decent they won some penalties at the weekend but what seems to be happening a lot with the Irish scrum is even on the good days the scrums are very messy um you know the, there's the, there's the potential there for a lot of 50-50 calls and for a lot of interpretation for the referee are they leaving a lot up to chance in the in the scrum, or are you confident with with how they're going there? I I'd be
1: pretty confident in the guys we have in there in terms of obviously managing referees, managing weight around the bind and that that kind of stuff. Uh, Bj be far better at speaking about this kind of stuff as I would because as a player, it was just stick your head in there and push as hard as you can. Uh, but this week is going to be a different beast altogether. You know the weight that South Africa have, uh, the, the connection and, and togetherness like they're an unbelievably dangerous proposition. Couple that with the fact that they've they've six fresh forwards coming on, or five fresh forwards. If as it, as I mentioned, if uh, Dion Free doesn't come on for who knows, maybe maybe, maybe
0: it's going to be seven. Who knows?
1: <laughs> it could, it could be seven. That, that was mentioned, so it's uh. It'll do be it interesting to, to, see it. See it, to flip it to you,
0: yeah. BJ. What are your confidence levels in what the Springboks scrum can do to Ireland?
2: Yes, look, I mean, I think this is one area that South Africa have to go at Ireland, not because of the fact that what Iris, what the Ireland scrum, um, you know, brings brings about, but South Africa. I Suppose if we look at South Africa, this is one area that they have to create a the momentum. They've they've shown it, um, you know, time and time again. There was a little bit of a gray area against Scotland, and they have shown a little bit of light there where you can go at um, Malherba and the tight head side if you, if you, if you do stick to your guns. However, again, as South Africa has done very well, is real-time reaction in the game. They fixed it the following game and they got a penalty. So that momentum is only there for a little while. And I suppose important parts of the game, it needs to be done in the right parts of the game. And Ireland will have to choose which crumbs they go for and not. I think um, Again, getting back to personnel, Bongi is our strongest scrummager. So I think that that the scrum will be at its strongest um, you know, for South Africa. But um that that, that aside, I think there's no doubt that the Irish Scrum can 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 hold can hold up and and, and, keep and and keep and have a good have a good go at the South African Scrum. But what's behind that, I think, has always been my concern in depth. So if they can hold their kind of tight five together, um, I believe they 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 definitely hold parity there. Um, but it's probably one area I would I would I would say South Africans are, are and the, the the pack itself is is going to hopefully go and try and get some dominance, and hopefully that again overflows to other parts of the game.
0: When we've been talking about uh, Dion Fourie, um a lot of the focus has been on how good of a line-out thrower he is when he's going to be on the pitch. Um, how how good of a scrummager is he at hooker?
2: Good question. And this is probably the area that yeah, I, I, I would I would not uh, dwell too deep in and hope that Bongi plays again enough minutes to kind of get away with it. But yeah, I'm not too sure the combination around the scrumming side, like he has played. I mean, he's not like he's in, you know, he's he's, he's kind of built like a hooker if you if, you, if you call it. He's not built like Marks, but I suppose kind of Bongi's just a little bit bigger than him and he's short and squat. And so I think he'll be fitting there quite nasty. Now, I don't know so much about, obviously, Marco von Staden and how, he, how he's fit in there. But again, it's, it's a, it's, I would say it's if Bongi goes off, it's a, it's a real concern of how those systems work because it doesn't happen overnight. Um, and, uh, you know, you kind of hopefully cover and paste it with the guys next to him. From experience, Lou said, like, gets um, off Animal Malherbe that hopefully we'll look after him. But it's an area that's, you know, that we hope that Bongi can kind of do the business. As I said, is our strongest scrummager. There's no doubt about that, and and if he and if he stays in the field and and we go with that, uh, I think we'll do well. But there's obviously concern about who's 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 back up there.
0: Interesting. Um, the what was I going to say? Oh yes, obviously the the star man Mick over the these couple of games. There've been a, a good few star performers, but the standout player is Bondiaki. and Ireland's ability or inability to get him involved in the game and find him good running lines and good opportunities to, to attack up the center of the pitch is going to be vital this weekend. Isn't it?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be really
0: interesting around Bundy this week is whether he's going
1: to be kind of neutralized or not by Dale you know, because naturally it's it's a great
0: great individual battle going on there. Isn't
1: it? Yeah. It's it's huge. Colossal battle. Um, like Ireland have played against Romania and Tonga, no disrespect to those teams, but you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be massively worried about their twelves going into a game. Whereas, you know, Bundy coming up against coming up against De Landi, uh, it's gonna be like the first contact is just gonna be an explosion. You know, it's almost something that you'd get up in the middle of the night to watch. So I'm I'm really excited, really so excited to see how Ireland get them into the game. And, and how they, you know, give him an opportunity to run one of his trademark lines and hopefully get a soft shoulder.
2: I think on that as well, I think obviously we saw when South Africa did play Ireland early in the year as well. Um, and in regards to also the last time they played and, and again, then against Scotland, how Jesse Creel, if he does play, causes that little bit of a dogleg at times, you know. And I think that threat that Bundy will bring there into that channel, I think Ireland will hope that Jesse will 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 kind of, you know, hopefully have the same reaction because I think that's where, that's where kind of Ireland, I think, will kind of use Bundy. The threat is because if you don't tackle him man on man, if you don't have, it doesn't matter. He's, he's, he's in good form. doesn't matter who's in the midfield there for me. Uh, Damon is a great defender. But he still needs to stop him on the advantage line, you know, and to have that, you have to have Creel again holding into that channel. Um, and if he does come too far out, then it's obviously got the opportunity. Like Ireland have got such good hands that they get it out to to width. And that's where the cross cover then has to do the damage for us. And if they don't, then obviously it's it's it'll be a try every time. So that's going to be key. I think how Bundy works that channel, how Ireland obviously works that channel around Creel as well, if he's selected.
0: And Mick, is, is the flip side of that coin then, how important is it what Ireland do when they don't use Bundy And creating the pictures and focusing the South Africa defense on Bundiaki charging up the middle and potentially taking on a big, a big hard line, but letting him run that line and use that as the the decoy to get the ball out wide. Yeah. As, as I mentioned, Bundy's,
1: Bundy's almost like an effective mall at the moment. Bundy's almost like an effective mall at the moment in the sense that let's take South Africa, for example, they have an unbelievably strong mall. And as a result of having that mall, they can do trick plays off it because teams are going to commit. They're going to put bodies into that space. That's very much what Bundy's like in the center at the moment. If Ireland use him effectively as a decoy, hopefully it's a case of, as BJ mentioned, Jesse Creel is kind of second guessing as to whether he's going to need to come in and hit him with, with his inside shoulder with De Lande. And, you know, then, you know there could be opportunities out the back to Gary to spin it wide or out the back to
0: to Hugo if he's if he's coming in from 15 and the that springbok defense bj in in the last couple of months it has been pretty miserly 10 points conceded over three games okay one of them's against Romania but two of those games are still against New Zealand and and Scotland where they've conceded one try and 10 points in total across those couple Bernard Jackman gave a really good explainer on on just how efficient they are defensively on against the head last night using examples from when Ireland and and South Africa played back in back in November. Obviously they're going to have a massive say in in how this weekend goes and just how aggressive they are. They they do leave a lot of space out wide, they're a very very narrow defense, but what recent history has shown us is that they're a very very effective defense as
2: well. Yeah, that's kind of I think big talking point around this. And I think that's going to be a, really a crux against how Ireland manage the ruck speed. You know, I think managing the ruck speed is going to be key, as we've always said. And uh, I think South Africa are just gonna be same same game and just getting off the line, closing that door on the outside every single time. If Ireland do not manage manage that ruck speed, and we saw parts of the ruck really and the breakdown against Tonga. Tonga managed to get a few hands in there, you yeah. know. Um, and they did challenge them around that area. So we know how how hard South Africa come at that breakdown. Once they make the tackle, they're on their feet and they're counter rucking and it's 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 messy at times. And then you know, lines get frustrated and kind of that kind of then's a knock on effect. And then, you know, defense are kind of on the front foot. So um, we're going to definitely, and it's just, it's, 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 it's something else to watch, you know, that line speed and obviously coming off that line. But again, I think it's going to come back to that breakdown, how efficient it is. And that's basically a knock on effect if, if the ball carrier gets over the, over the advantage line. And if they do manage that um, it's going to just lengthen that kind of ruck, and it's going to put them just a step back and they're not going to get that same speed. And then, Ireland will hope that that'll that have a knock-on effect on whether they break in in, 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 in the middle or out wide, wide um, at, at, at some time.
0: Yeah, that ruck speed is is huge, Mick. And when Ireland when Ireland put in their best performances, you can always pretty much look down at the statistics afterwards and see the the quick ball, that zero to three second rock ball in and around 60 to 70 percent for some of those bigger games. For South Africa this weekend, if you can knock that down and put Ireland in around the five, six second bracket as much as you can, that's going a long way to to neutralizing what Ireland have to offer, isn't it?
1: Definitely. Look, as BJ said there, the better Ireland's ball carry is, the easier the rook is going to be. And that's just, that. that's always the way it's been in the game. If you get a positive carry, you know, if you get your shoulders through that contact, you suddenly have guys having to backtrack that little bit. The guy going into jackal, unless he's sitting in behind the line, like the likes of you know James Davies would have done for the Scarlets years ago, he had license to do that. You, you're always looking at, you're always looking at quick ball. So this week is, in my opinion, from a phase play point of view, it's just about winning collisions. And I don't want to sound vague when I say that because you could say that about all rugby matches, but. Playing against the likes of South Africans who, who are massive men, you know, they're gonna, it's gonna be two-man tackles. If we can get over the game line early in the play, we can clean deep on the rocks. You know, Jamison Gibson Park, if selected, he's just in there, in there sweeping the ball away, getting the edges, you know, moving the South African pack from side to side. Um, I'd be hopeful that we can come away with the result that we'd like.
0: Yeah. And I know you say like it's it's a bit simplistic just talking about the collisions, but it is something we often say with South Africa, where if you're identifying what you need to do to win, it's actually straightforward enough when you're talking about South Africa compared to what do we need to do to beat France or what do we need to do to beat New Zealand. But the problem is, while it's easy enough to identify what you need to do, actually going and doing it is a hell of a is a hell of a different task.
1: Yeah, I think there's there's real purity to the way South Africa play. I think we've spoken about it before on this show. You know exactly what they're doing. You know exactly what their plan is. They're going to be very, very strong set-piece scrum and line-out. They're going to be strong with the kick battle. They're going to be hard on the ball at the breakdown. And they're going to be very, very abrasive in the carry and contact. Uh, so... I'd imagine Ireland are having the same conversations, but as you've mentioned there, it's just what you do to stop it.
0: Yeah, BJ, it's like, even just to break it down to like a single person, it's like a few years ago when Cheslin Colby was at his best and you knew when he got the ball out wide, all he was going to do was bring you to the touchline and come back in. And you were just waiting for him to do it. But nine times out of 10, he was still able to do it. (laughs)
2: There's no doubt about that. And I think that's why we get back to our our earlier chat about when the opportunities come and they're ready to strike, they're going to have to then get those points on the board. You know, there's not going to be, I think, in this game, the second, third, fourth opportunity you know, to make an error and work yourself back again. I think when the points are, you know, it is it is a cliche, but when the points are there, you know, have to make sure you take them and come away with that and build that, build that score. But I think that's that's what Ireland have done well against South Africa as well. I mean, even during my playing days against Ireland, it was, you know, one of the most irritating things ever that you kind of would, would run away and you think, look at the pen- look at the scoreboard, there's a penalty kick. There's something they come away with points, and then build it another three points, and another three points, and then suddenly as forwards, you've actually felt like you've dominated the scrum and the lineout, and another, and you look and you're 12 points down, all penalty kicks, you know, and that that is um, you know partly what what Ireland have done well. They do punish sides in the sense of you know when they do when when they do get into the 22 over as we've seen now in some parts, um, they have left with no points. So they can't afford that against South Africa. They're going to have to have that momentum. They're going to have to have that scoreboard ticking. And they're going to have to do it for 80 minutes, 80-plus minutes.
0: Um, Mick, we couldn't let this episode pass without, obviously, acknowledging Johnny Sexton. Another uh, 16 points at the weekend, 40 across the two games. And the all-important one as well is that that try that he scored Leapfrogged him ahead of Ronan O'Gara. He's Ireland's record point scorer of all time, up to 1,090 points in Test rugby for him in an Irish shirt in an Irish shirt. Obviously, uh his legacy in an, in an Ireland jersey doesn't need to be explained in, in great detail. But in terms of the short term, uh we had question marks over well, m- maybe some of us had question marks. A lot of people probably didn't have question marks over how he'd how quickly he'd hit the ground running in these two games. But he looks sharp and he looks dialed in at the moment.
1: Uh, he's incredible. He's incredible. And, you know, the biggest compliment he can be paid, in my opinion, is that he just makes all of his teammates look so good. You know, there's a selflessness to the way he plays, obviously, in terms of how close he takes it to the line, to the gaps that he's putting his teammates through. Obviously, in previous years, he's taken unbelievable punishment in games as a result of going that close to the line. And I'd say this weekend is going to be no different. As of you know, I've said it before in this show, like in most games, you're going in targeting the 10 or you know, targeting a playmaker in terms of okay, we're gonna to need to put a shot on this guy pretty early. Um with how close Johnny takes it to the line, I'd imagine. He's in line for a fairly serious man punishment this week against Springboks. Legally, I'll say.
0: <laughs> Bj, he's a bit—he's a bit like yourself. Where when he is retiring, he was not showing his age whatsoever. He was—he was looking as sharp as he ever did when he when he's hanging up those boots.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, look, um, <laughs> Johnny's—you know—he's yeah he's just keeps on going, and he's—you know—as I said—he's really on form now, and I think he's a pivotal. You know, part of that of that of the of, of the Irish side, and you know, as Mick said, now he's got the ability to take the ball to the to the line, which he which they need to against South Africa, and then if not, you know, put himself in the pocket, and accurate accurate his, his kicking game is really accurate, or, or you know, cross kick, and he seems to have a lot more time. You know, we've seen obviously what South Africa did with Finn Russell, um, you know, against Scotland, and and I think Johnny just has that experience of finding you know, that little bit, you know, a couple of extra seconds to make those decisions, they're not going to be, there are going to be times when he is going to stand up and lie down for a couple of seconds and this is going to happen because it's South Africa. But I think, you know, he's just shown that ability to kind of be resilient and, you know, keep on going and managing his side. And he's he's really that, well, the passing, the kicking, you know, it's it it's just flows when he's on the field. And you can see that, you know, from a from an opponent's perspective and, you know you know, from the TV.
0: Standing opposite him on Saturday, we presume, is going to be Manny Libock. Manny Libock, Razi Rasmus, yesterday said, Andre Pollard won't be involved this weekend. Um, BJ, as a South African, would you be more confident with Manny Libock standing there as we expect? Or are you surprised that Razzie has come out so early and said Andre Pollard isn't going to be involved this weekend, having called him up?
2: No, I'm not surprised. I think, you know, Manny Leboek's been there. He's played the two games now. You know, building up to the World Cup, he's been the number 10. And I think it would be kind of, you know, from a team perspective, um, you know, looking at the game itself and how they manage managing and what Andre would bring. I think Andre is maybe, you know, needs maybe a little more game time. And, you know, moving into the World Cup, where you might, you know, use him later. I think he's made the right decision there. I think, you know, Money Leboek has shown, you know, He's so he's solid in defence. He brings that lineup, but he at times I suppose the questions have been asked about his kicking game. But we've discussed that I think, and we we do have Fuff and Cheers if they you know kind of take up the kicking role. So look, that's the one area I would say with with obviously the difference between Andre is just his record kicking, and I think that's one area that will be a big part of this game. But I suppose um, I suppose um, Russy's taken those you know calculated risks in, in regarding selecting uh, money, you know.
0: Yeah, like you said, you said there calculated risk. But if if for example this weekend the game comes down to a poor missed kick, or if it comes down to uh, a crooked line-out throw at a crucial, crucial stage from someone like like Dion Fury, you say it's a calculated risk. But Razi Erasmus and Jack Nienaber they've opened themselves up to a lot of criticism if if some of these selection calls come back to come back to bite them in the backside over the next few weeks
2: yeah that's i think that is 100% true and i think they sit with that on the other side of the fence if they pay off and i think They're that's yeah <laughs> you know that's the thing. it's you know it's 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 at scale you know tipping point and then they're geniuses, and I think they're on, on that point. I think we're going to see probably something we haven't seen before in the World Cup as well, as they always bring something else, you know. And I'm sure i will, but you know, so they go with this, and I think they've got that they've got that uh, you know plan in place. I don't just think they're kind of quite reactive; they they're quite uh, you know proactive in how they plan their way forward. And we've seen before how these things seem to kind of work out. So look, um, all to all to all to see on the weekend anyway.
0: Yeah, it's never straightforward. Um, Final couple of points on this game, Mick. Um, As we said, South Africa will name their, their team this evening. Ireland naming their team on, on Thursday. It's We presume it's going to be a fairly settled side, but on a couple of selection things, presuming Dan Sheehan is fit and ready to play this weekend, who's your number two and who's your number 16 on the team sheet? Because obviously Dan Sheehan has proved over the last 18 months how good he is. Roland Kelleher had a really, really strong 40 minutes at the weekend, but obviously has the injury risks over the last couple of years. Rob Herring then, someone we've spoken about over the last few weeks, I think the last time you were on as well, he has just been Mr. Consistent for probably 12 months now in an Ireland shirt. Yeah. Sheehan, to start,
1: anyway, that would be uh, my first call. The Ronan Keller, Rob Herring one is... A real brain teaser in the sense that there's it's kind of subplots to it. Obviously, Rob Herring is Irish and he's played for Ireland and all the rest. But there is the added motivation of him being born in Cape Town, you know, and the idea of of playing against his home country or his country of birth. You know, if you speak to the likes of Richard Strauss, who's who's done it in the past, you know, he tell you it's it's a game that he couldn't have been more up for. You know, from a, from a motivation point of view, and that's not to say that Ronan Callagher won't be up for the biggest game of the World Cup so far. But if I was choosing who was going on the bench, I'd probably go with Rob Herring for that reason, just because I feel that, you know, he'll have that that added bit of motivation, that added bit of, you know, prove a point Uh to you know family and, and mates back in south africa not to prove a point to anyone in Ireland because that obviously doesn't doesn't need to be done.
0: And it would, be, with, it would I be well th- deserved from BJ, obviously.
2: Yeah, and I agree. I agree with Mick. The, you know, Not only that, um, from a motivational perspective, but I think, you know, Rob is the kind of a much stronger scrummager technically and experience obviously up front is going to be key there. So for me, there's no doubt you'll put him there and he's been consistent, you know, he's been consistent in that, in that, in that position. And that's what you require against South Africa coming off the bench. Um, You know, even if you are going to be, who knows, who knows you're going to be up against, you know, Um, but um I think, I think we'll, I would also go as Rob. And
0: as quickly as you can try, explain it, Mick, the other selection call that's probably cre- creeped up, crept up on us is, Connor Murray potentially making a push to get back into the starting team, or would you still have Jamison Gibson Park to, to wear number nine and, and Murray to 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 fulfill the kind of game manager role off the bench?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I actually think there's I'll throw another kind of curveball in at the end, but um I'd go with Jamison Gibson Park just for his ability to move the ball. You know, if we do win collisions in attack. You know, I I think you know we do kind of get South Africa in the back foot. I think Jemson Gibson Park is the man to play nine for that game. As the game goes on, if we're if we're fifty, sixty minutes in, you know, I think it's a great time to bring Connor Murray on, just with the level of control that that he has around the game, particularly around his kicking game, like the charge down that he had against Tonga the other day. I think that's like the second time I've ever seen him be charged down in the game, so it's. Like it's a credit, just a credit to his to his ability around that area. Uh, and then just just a curveball is who's who's going to play seven?
0: Okay, yeah, I I I did have that on the list, but I was trying to move through it quickly. Bj, obviously, we spoke about this uh at the week or last week when you were on with us about the potential for playing maybe Joe McCarthy or Ian Henderson in the second row. And playing burn in the back row, one of O'Mahony or Van der Flier at blindside. You suggested last week, if you were as as a South African, you would you would much rather see something like that than come up against the the traditional pack we've we've been used to seeing. What way are you feeling on those kind of things, Mick? Um, I probably would. I
1: probably would be inclined to move Tigh to six and have Pete at seven. That's but that's purely from a from a line out point of view. Um you obviously have you've four very good options line out wise there.
0: World player of the year, Josh van der Fleer on the bench, Mick. The bold ones. Oh, it's,
1: it's a huge call. It's a huge call, and I don't envy, don't envy Andy Farrell having to make it. Uh the only thing I would say is that Josh would be like a he'd be like a coiled spring coming on for the last. 25 30 minutes uh big risk big risk but this week in particular um in my opinion it's it's no set piece no win everything else is i'm, I'm a second row so i'm slightly biased here but uh in my mind everything else is fairly irrelevant
0: how are you feeling I, on that pj
2: i think that's exactly what uh, what we just mentioned there and you think about the depth and Kind of, I've always spoken about the, you know, to the extent the Irish bench and what we've just mentioned. That Fafaflea coming off the bench shows that, I suppose, um, you know, kind of depth we're talking about, and you know, Will you and all the rest of it. But that squad um performance that they will require against South Africa, because we we know what's coming off the bench. And yes, Mark isn't isn't there, but the rest are. And so Fafaflea coming off the bench. I mean, what do you? You know, if if you have it the other way around, you kind of having guys that yes, of course, massive experience come up with the bench, you just don't have these kind of maybe game breakers that you probably rely on. So, I think that'll be you know a great setup, uh, and you know, and and, and, and as we say, as we've seen time and time again how the bench changes the game, that could be the one that you know kind of uh, helps Ireland.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, I'll I'll put you on the spot. Last word on Ireland South Africa. Give us a verdict for the weekend in as few, in as, in as few words as possible.
2: Myself first. Yeah. yeah, look, I think um, I would say that I'm going to go with South Africa. Uh, and the reason is obviously because I think that South Africa, as as much as I think, you know, Ireland decide to do it, that South Africa understand and know how to win these games. So I close out these games and known have been in these positions before, especially in a World Cup. For me, that's the kind of psychological, mental side of things. And um, I think that will be their kind of way that they get around and, and and beat Ireland now. Again, you know, I might be talking different next week. But uh, look, I think Ireland is gonna be a massive challenge for South Africa. Not, not taking that away. Huge challenge. And I think they're gonna be challenged South Africa all over the all over the field. But I just think that South Africa will have you know, that, that that mental side of things that they've been there before, know how to understand how to win these games and then kind of, um, you know, kind of move on from there.
1: Mick? I'm going to say Ireland by three. Uh, that's my prediction. Um, I think the stadium's going to be absolutely hopping, massive Irish support. And, you know, I'm kind of putting it down to weight of, weight of momentum as well, in the sense that, Ireland have won is it is it fourteen in a row? Fourteen. No, I you know, see winning as being a massive habit. Uh and I'm just hoping. I'm hoping that they can they can get the job done this week and then have a nice, nice week off for Scotland.
0: I'm sensing when you say a three point win, your three point win is along the lines of nineteen sixteen rather than thirty-five thirty-two, yeah.
1: I take 3-0 to be
0: honest. <laughs> well, right. That's uh, that's that on Ireland, South Africa. We'll we only have a few more minutes left, so we'll try to zip through this, but couldn't let the podcast go without talking about Fiji and Australia uh from Sunday afternoon. Fiji twenty two, Australia fifteen. On Thursday's pod, we all said last week it was the the standout game of the weekend, and so it proved to be. Fiji, first win against Australia in 69 years. And it has to be said, BJ, they were great value for it. Probably should have won by more, to be totally honest.
2: Yeah, just great scenes, you know. And, uh, you know, being a uh, being coached by Simon Rewali and friends of them and just so happy for the side and how they kind of come together and prepped and prepared. And I think you've seen some of the videos going out of them running up a hill together and in Fiji somewhere. And the guys, you know, just kind of, as I said, it's, it's, it's hats off to them you know and, and going and going about this and beating australia which obviously you know as we've known before not in a good place but it's still australia the side that they've tried to beat as you say for the last 69 years so just great for them and you know great for the nation and and, and happened in a place like with the world cup as well these are the these are the these are the stories that world cups are made of as we've seen in years as we've seen in cups before
0: and what was so great as well i thought was it just summed up that this is a the more the, the newer, modern Fiji, the the well-rounded team. What iced the game ultimately? Mick was a dominant scrum pushing Australia, shoving Australia off the ball, and you know it. It just summed up how far they've come. Where we know they can score tries for fun from from all over the pitch, but it was that sort of stuff that we questioned them for for so long. And it was great to see the game iced because of something like that. Absolutely.
1: I think on top of that, BJ would be able to attest the fact that they pushed him off that scrum with a tight head who played the guts of 80 minutes just made it all the more impressive. I'd say your man didn't know where he was at that stage of the game. In that heat against an an Australian side that were coming hammering tongs, you know. um, I think everyone worldwide was just delighted to see them getting the win, particularly after being robbed blind. Against Wales yeah. last week, you know, um, I'd say not to refereeing's a very tough job, and not on this podcast to blag them by any means, but I'd imagine Matthew Carley had a had a fairly rough review after that one. Yeah. Um, so I was delighted to see them get the win. And like Fiji have a population of nine hundred thousand people, like, can you? It's hard to even imagine how much those lads have inspired the next generation of Fijian kids at home. And that's, that's what it's all about really.
0: So um, it was pretty. The, the other side of it then is just how, just how disjointed and poor Australia looked. like, I, I don't want to take anything away from Fiji. And as I said, they, they should have won by more. It was probably just the nerves that, that allowed Australia back into it in the, in the final quarter. But you look through that Australia performance, BJ conceding 18 penalties, I think more than half of those were were in attacking situations when they had the ball their understanding of the breakdown looked non-existent they couldn't get on on the same page as, as uh Andy Brace I think it was who was refereeing and then this game against Wales this coming Sunday uh, this coming Sunday evening if they lose that they could be all but out of the competition it is set up to be an absolutely gripping game this weekend maybe not the best quality of matches but just enthralling in its own right
2: yeah there's no doubt and it's quite evident you know that there's an unhappy camp in the australian you know kind of camp and we can see that you know it's, it's we've seen that from the rugby championship coming to the world cup and you know players that have been left off not taken with and kind of you know and, and it's that that key is the aspect of, of of building a team and bringing them to you know bringing them to a tournament like like the world cup uh, the pinnacle so we've seen that on the field now and penalties and these in in-house things, you know, show on the field. So, you know, for me going, and I suppose as, as we just touched on Wales there, Wales have done what they've done usually is find a way to win and kind of the two from two. So momentum coming in this and I, I don't see, I don't see Australia having the team to kind of, you know, get one over Wales, um, even though that kind of Portugal took them to a, um, you know kind of a tough place at times <laughs> that Portugal played some unbelievable right? it was a great game to watch actually uh, from a Portugal perspective but I still think you know um, Australia just don't have that side to kind of I think get one over Wales I just think they, they're really in disarray and uh, I, even even you would see would they have a reaction to this I just don't think they've got that set-piece side of things in, in, in the cumulative game to beat Wales.
0: Yeah and with Fiji having picked up two bonus points against Wales as well, as well they're in a really really strong position Finally, quick word, uh Mick, how what way are you leaning for that game, Wales and Australia at the weekend? I think Wales will do it.
1: Um and I think they'll actually do it comfortably enough. You know, Warren Gatland will have a plan going into this game. Uh it's obviously a huge game, as you've mentioned. Uh I think they'll be they'll be dominant around set piece. Um you know that we really heard at the breakdown with the likes with the likes of Morgan um Rafael coming off the bench, Falatow, um and with with Australia just, just going back to them, they look like a team that don't have a huge amount of cohesion at the moment. Obviously they picked a very young team. Um and I think teams that give away that many penalties, you know, give away 15, 16, 17 penalties. In a game it's a sign of a team that are desperate you know just desperate to make something happen um and unfortunately for them they they just haven't haven't been able to do that so far in the competition
0: yeah it would be an absolutely incredible fallout if they they were to lose this weekend guys we're completely out of time mick and bj thanks a million for joining us on the pod again as uh as usual before we go, here's what you have to look forward to over the next few days. The, the Rugby World Cup back up and running tomorrow, Wednesday, Italy against Uruguay. That's going to be an interesting one in A, given what Uruguay did against France last weekend or last Thursday. That's 4.45 Irish time kickoff. On Thursday then, France tick on Namibia, 8 o'clock kickoff. That's live on RT2 and RT player, as is Argentina against Samoa at 4.45pm on Friday evening. On Saturday, then Georgia and Portugal meet in pool C at 1 p.m. England and Chile at 4.45 in pool D, before Ireland taking on South Africa in uh, in Stade de France. That is an eight o'clock kickoff, live on RT2, an RT player as well. As is on Sunday, Scotland against Tonga, quarter to five kickoff, followed by that game, as we were mentioning, Wales and Australia, 8 pm kickoff. Um we will be back. For another RTE Rugby podcast or Rugby World Cup podcast, I should say, on Thursday afternoon after Ireland named their team to take on South Africa. So we'll speak to you then. The RTE Rugby World Cup podcast, sponsored by Bank of Ireland.